How will the world meet growing energy demand while reducing emissions? What technology, human capital, policy, and education is needed to making the energy transition a reality? What are the myths and hard truths about all forms of energy, our environment, and our economy? The Voices of Energy sets out to explore these questions with the people at the heart of making these changes a reality. We'll go from conversation to application by focusing on actionable strategies that will drive the world and our industry into a new era. I'm Katie Maynard, founder and CEO of Ally Energy, and this is the Voices of Energy. I'm so excited to have Lucinda Jackson today on the Voices of Energy. Welcome, Lucinda. Thank you, Katie. Great to be here. So, Lucinda, you know, I read a lot about you. You're a business executive, a scientist, an author. And obviously, you have a huge passion for things that we care about here at Ally, which is, you know, ESG, big S in there, sustainability, you know, DEI, organizational development. You're, you're, you're an HR nerd. You're an environmental <laughs> nerd. Um, you're a sustainability nerd. We're really excited to have you apart. And you're a former, you know, health and safety manager, which you and I share together because I was in health and safety at Shell and at BP. So we have so many common threads. I'm so glad you're here. Yes. Yes. So many things to talk about. Where should we start? <laughs> I know. I know. Let's start before the book before everything that you're doing now, which is exciting, you were at Chevron. Yes. For many uh, years. So tell us about that journey. 28 years. It was actually my fourth Fortune 500 company. And I had worked previously at uh, in the chemical business in Dow, uh, FMC Corporation and Monsanto. So some big ones. And I started in the 70s. I journey in that uh, very male dominated business chemicals and I switched to oil and gas. I actually joined Chevron in the chemical business and then they sold the chemical business to part of it to Monsanto where I just come from. So it's, you know, such a twisted world. But uh, so I've had a lot of experience in these large corporations that are um, very white male dominated in the early days. And my point in some of this is that a lot of the issues are still going on. Of course they are. So I wanted to write about it after I left Chevron and they're well aware that I wrote the book. I talked to Mike Worth, the CEO, and let him know that I was doing this. And uh, my point is not to blame people. So it's not like a me too thing or where I'm trying to rat somebody out. My, my point is that, that we're all responsible and there's a societal piece to this it aligns pretty well with the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the messages coming out of that, which I really support. So it's been cool to see that developing in the last couple of years too. You know, matching up with my philosophy around the need for women to have their voice and get some power. So, you know, this is exciting. So, so before we get into the book, uh, cause we're gonna get into the book. I'm really curious. So you work for Chevron. Uh, and go Chevron. Chevron's a good, a big supporter of um, of our work at Ally, but they're also a big supporter of a lot of work across the world around social justice and, yes. um, you know, DEI. And uh, I have to say, have taken a very progressive movement right in on the energy transition as an American oil company. The uh, as you know, so I come from the European yes. uh, world of oil and gas. 
And it's a little different. I think it's a little different, but it's always fascinating to me when I talk to other folks who work, you know, who've worked in American oil and gas companies, because they have a, you know, a different view. The culture has evolved very differently than say folks in Europe and obviously in the Middle East, you know, the Middle East is doing a lot now in the face of, you know, these, these movements, but so health and safety. So let's talk about that. Cause you know, you're a scientist and I, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit of a, um, I'm a big girl fan here and I'm a big geek fan. My father is an, an engineer by background and I've got a journalism degree and somehow I became that girl who got into to health and safety. And I'll never forget a chemical engineer who I adore, Peggy Montana. She's a downstream gal. She uh, got me into you know, health and safety. And I thought it was super technical, but it's not. Tell us more about that. What is, I mean, health and safety is all human, right? Well, Katie, it's actually both. So the, the science part of it is what I went in originally when I was involved in uh, a research and development of technology. So there's a ton of technology around health environment safety, you know, remote cameras, um, ways to monitor, you know, air monitoring technology. There's all kinds of new things coming out. And so we, you know, I've been kind of on the cutting edge of some of these um, uh, technologies to improve how we understand contaminants in the environment and what to do with them and safety too, again, with uh, all kinds of cameras and stuff where we can really track what we're doing by air, by water, by boat. And so that that's the technology side. And, and I did at Chevron have a a large group of internal technical experts who like experts in, uh, you know, wetlands and endangered species in air monitoring and motor vehicle crashes in falling from heights. I mean, and there's a lot of technical pieces to that. And these people all had, you know, masters or PhDs in these, in these subjects, but there's the whole other human side of HES, which is fascinating. And that was my, you know, most of my latter career was, bringing people into the and building a culture and Chevron did a fantastic job of building a safety culture and it takes I guess that's part of my thinking too why I don't blame people about sexism and sexual harassment is that I learned at Chevron how if you take something and make it everybody's problem Mm -hmm. you get a lot you know you see it you own it and I've taken the same the same approach to trying to create a better culture around uh, harassment and sexism, because with bystander intervention and just a lot of the stuff we used in the safety culture can be applied here. But I'm a I'm a person that really believes in inclusivity and bringing all the people to the table and looking at it as a, a societal problem. So in HES, um, you know, it took years, but we were really able to bring from blaming the HES manager because <laughs> why are we having so many accidents? it's why are we all having so many accidents? We took away the blame Mm -hmm. and we started taking responsibility and it's a beautiful thing. (laughs) So that's why I like to approach problems. No, you know, it's interesting. You talking about that. So I'm not technical. I got around the oil patch by, uh, by showing a lot of curiosity, the ability to learn. I was really lucky and got into operational assignments because of great women who pulled me up by my bootstraps and said, okay, let's get you to learn. And, you know, when we, when I would at Shell, one of the things that I saw that I noticed in, in, from a health and safety perspective was 
you know, I started noticing that there was a trend in our higher performing units. And so higher performing units or higher performing platforms, you know, drill sites, they were financially fit and the people and culture element was huge, you know, to that and their safety numbers were good and the reliability was good. But we started really going deeper and we were looking at why, and it was because of diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it became a mission to just say, okay, how can we somehow, you know, get leaders to see that great performance, whether it's environmental safety, right, financial quality, it all is living on a married index with inclusive teams. And so that's what got me super excited about inclusion. I mean, I kind of opened my mind to, you know, new ideas. So I'm so glad we share this topic because health and safety is so important. And I tell people all the time that the safety case is a good example of where we, it's taken a marathon to get where we are. And it's one of those things you can't forget. We're constantly thinking about so tell us about just a girl growing up female and ambitious. What made you want to write this book and what's inside? I felt for many, many years in my Fortune 500 companies that I wasn't totally my authentic self, right? And I was a woman among many, many men. I never, I had a female boss finally near the end of my career, but I, I never had other female colleagues and I was often the only woman in, in the room. And I didn't feel like, I didn't understand some of the reactions that people were having to me, competitiveness, wanting to kick me out, trying to you know, get me to quit. And through harassment and sexism. And I wanted to understand what that was all about and how to help other people, other women, particularly and minorities, not experience the same thing that I did. So I feel like I had my career in spite of these uh, other barriers. And so I can relate a lot to people who are the only in whatever you know they are, whether it's religion or race or gender or whatever, and how you can a lot of it is, I don't believe in that we, we have to educate everybody, but I do believe in opening communication. So I wanted people to understand what it felt like to be a person like this. And actually coming back to the safety culture, we opened up communication so much where we felt like before, if, even if the CEO wasn't wearing his hard hat, a, a contractor could say, hey, Mr. CEO, you can't come in here without your hard hat. Whereas previously, nobody would ever have said that to the CEO, right? So it was okay for everybody to bring this out of the closet and talk about why we're having injuries. And so I wanted the same thing with sexism and and harassment. Like, let's talk about it and let's understand how it feels, how we can get rid of it and how much it's going to, you know, increase productivity. Right. I see the same thing. I don't know if you've read, so you want to talk about race or white fragility. Some of those recent um, books are, are great. They, they look at it the same way. Like, let's talk about race or, you know, let's talk about sexism and, and not pretend that it doesn't exist. So that's what I wanted to do. And on the other side, Katie, I just was full of <laughs> stories and things I had never talked about. And that was part of it was, um, you know, getting, getting it out there, catharsis for myself, I got to admit. (laughs) 
Well, so I, I read, um, I have not read your book. I'm excited about it. It's on my list. Just a Girl is what Amazon calls the sensitive personal story of Lucinda's ambition to become and succeed as a scientist during the white man in power era of the 1950s to 2010s. I'm going to have to send you a copy of uh, my book, Grow with the Flow. It really looks at how equity and environment live on a married index and that we're all in this together, that maybe if we had a little more um, power rooted in what I call the feminine, although I don't mean just women, I mean the rest of the world. You know, we need feminine and we need masculinity. The industry is very masculine by nature, you know, temperatures and pressures and things like that. But when you think of Mother Earth, she provides, you know, and that's my vision is that we really need to be allies in this journey, you know, as we move forward through the energy transition. So we're going to have to swap books. I'd love to see uh, see it. Yes. No, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. And so, you know, one of the things we always like to ask anyone who comes on our podcast is put yourself in the shoes of a young person. And it doesn't have to be a young female, just a young person who's starting their career out in energy. What are the two or three things, action steps, lessons you would impart to um, our listeners uh, around career and career development? I actually don't have to pretend because I do mentor a number of young people. And I do talk to young groups of young people who are interested in the energy business. And it's very fun and exciting to see what they're doing. My advice is number one, stay and speak up. This is the second part. And that's because it's can be tough if you're not one of the majority, right? And it's still, you're going to come in if you're a female or a a minority, you're going to come in as as a minority and taking account of that, not being afraid of it and sticking it out because I see a lot of uh, young people, especially women, give it a try and then they leave and they leave to go into more, you know, female friendly professions or start their own business, which is fantastic. But these really large corporations are in need of diversity. And if we don't push it and get in there, they're going to remain the same. I know it's tough. And and part of what I explain in my book is how I managed to stay. There were many times I wanted to quit, but I felt like a bigger purpose it was there and that's helped me, that really helped me stick it out and then be able to be very impactful. And I said, once you stay and you speak up, it's very important to speak up. That's the second part, like stick it out and then speak up at the table. You don't have to become the re- representative for black people or, or gay people or you know whatever women, but you need to have a, a strong voice. And I give some suggestions in the book of how young people can do that. And even in the, um, you know, a lot of the young people I speak to are interested in renewables. So, and there's this feeling that renewables renewables is gonna be more diverse, but it's not necessarily happening. So that's another point that I make to them. Like, even if you go into renewables, don't think that all of a sudden they're all diverse and it's all new. (laughs) You're gonna need to have some grit. I saw one of your (laughs) podcasts on grit, which I love. So that's my main advice. Stay and then find your voice and do not be afraid of speaking up. It's not going to 
I mean, just try it. I, I, I explain how the first time I found my voice, you know, like a personal story of how I found my voice and what happened and how nothing bad happened. I didn't get struck by lightning and I didn't get fired. And so give people the courage to do that. Excellent. Lucinda Jackson, author, scientist, badass. Can I say that? <laughs> badass, ex-executive. Thank you so much for sharing and imparting your advice today with us. We appreciate it. So welcome, Katie. Great to um, be a colleague of yours and let's keep going. Let's keep going. <laughs>